Nothing changes instantaneously. In a gradually heating bathtub, you'd be boiled to death before you knew it. Our Father, who art in heaven. Seriously? What the actual fuck? Gilead doesn't care about children. Gilead cares about power. Why does healing have to be the only goal? Why can't we be as furious as we feel? For whatever man sows, so shall he reap. Welcome to Above the Garage. Hi, friends. Welcome to our analysis of Season 3, Episode 12, which is entitled Sacrifice. Let's do our round of introductions and dive in. Hi, I'm Ginger. Hi, I'm Claudia. Hi, I'm Yulia. Hi, I'm Melissa. And I'm Kate. So I love the way they did this episode opening uh, with June. You know, we just left her. She's sure they're coming for her. And June's facing the stained glass window in her room. And we see her from behind holding the gun that Lawrence gave her, loading it, cocking it. And she's saying, first you hear the van pulling up, tires on the driveway, doors closing, voices, footsteps, then boots on the stairs, boots coming. And we hear all those things as it's happening and obviously assume that it is what it sounds like. And she has the gun aimed at the door when a frazzled Eleanor breaks in. I love Eleanor so much. I'm going to say that. I like how it's a nice parallel to the season one finale. Yeah, Yeah. me too. Me too. And she knows how that feels because it's the second time. Right. And but this time there's no Nick there. Yeah, but it's yeah. at least at least a nice person again. Like it's at least yeah. Eleanor that was kind of funny. <laughs> it's a nice flashback because it's like the first time she was with no power and everything. Mm-hmm. And now she has regained some of her power and she holds a gun in her head. I mean now she's a badass with a gun. Yes. <laughs> Standing, she's not sitting, she's not taking it, you know. She's going to take him out with her. And Eleanor is just hilarious. Because she's so she's funny. Like, she's no, not really faced by June, just <laughs> having the gun. And she's like, just just leave it in here, okay? Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so she says, oh, you scared me. Like, But takes it like really well, like kind of casually. After. Yeah. yeah, like she didn't just have a gun pointed at her. Right, exactly. Uh, and she tells her there are men downstairs with Joseph and June asks what they want. And Eleanor says, coffee and sandwiches. And she's annoyed June hasn't immediately jumped to go help, help Beth. And she says again, go. And you should you should leave that here. Like as such a side, like casual thought. I love her so much. She's just like so casual about some insane things. And I find it delightful. June walks downstairs. We see a lot of guardians in the house. And she falters for a second on her way into the kitchen. And I thought Beth was giving her shit. I thought she was, yeah, I had to actually like absorb the words to understand this is not Beth giving her shit. She's actually praising her for what she did last night. And she's gotten this basket of muffins from Billy, it seems. Well, now the Martha's at Jezebel's and he's in. Yes. I thought the muffins looked weird. They like, did. It, are they these did. muffins? I like, I, or is, what, what is this? They don't look like home baked. They look like I don't know, little bites or something you buy at the grocery store. I don't know. They just didn't the, look... Maybe it's they they missed the top or something. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody ate the top and it just sent the... Yeah, it did not look like a muffin. The opposite of muffin tops. I would not want that. But you're absolutely right. That's what it looked like. <laughs> they did it in a hurry. So somebody ate the best part of muffins and just sent their leftovers. <laughs> That's what I do. So it doesn't look so like like I didn't do it afterwards, but now it makes sense. But maybe Jezebel muffins are different. Like they're not made like. I mean, they they have a shortage of basically everything. So I don't know how good cooking and baking is 
working in Gilead. If you didn't have enough flour, Julia, would it not rise as well, I assume? I know nothing about baking. It wouldn't. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I mean, you need yeast so it raises, but you don't need yeah. that much yeast because if you have time, it's okay. T I M E or T H Y M E? Uh, no, not the herb. I mean, the <laughs> time, like the clock time. The clock. <laughs> clock time. <laughs> I couldn't imagine time being a replacement for yeast. I mean, yeah, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> I know very little. What kind of muffins do you eat? I just wanted to say that I loved how relieved June looked when she got the news that Billy was in because I think she she really thought she blew it all with the death of Winslow. And she looked like she was almost crying f- uh, of relief when Beth told him. That. Yeah, I like when Beth also, Beth kind of picked up on that. Like she was expecting June, I think, to be just like ecstatic. And she notices the mixed feelings on her face and that made her f- see the bruise. And she realizes that something had to happen. The Jezebels, yes. you know, but um, I think it's also, you know how like something doesn't seem real until you get like a confirmation, you know, so it's like, yeah, I'm going to get these kids out. But like, yes. who, are you really going to be able to secure an actual airplane? So then when yeah. she actually finds out she can, it's like reality hits too. like, oh, like this is intense now. Like now I really have to do this. And this is scary. And like, yeah, it, you know, so it, yeah. So you are excited, but it's like overwhelming, you know? Yeah. Um, so many feelings going on with her mm-hmm. right now. And we learn that flight's in a week. Then Sienna comes in and tells them that one of the commanders wants to launch an attack to teach them a lesson. Calhoun is furious about the Waterford capture. And June comes in and Lawrence knows June's in there to spy and, she, and asks if Sienna's busy, but he knows why she's there. And he keeps making jokes and they're like getting very annoyed. Asking him to take this seriously. You joke when it's open season on commanders. <laughs> they want Lawrence to be like the face of the reaction because he has respect. Or would he rather just hide in here with his books? And then Calhoun apologizes for being like too angry and says he spent the whole night at the hospital with his three pound Natalie baby. And that surprised me. Like he actually cares about the kid enough to spend the night at the hospital. Did that surprise you guys? Yeah. Yeah. At it least it's, it's his kid, right? I mean, yeah. We yeah, that. I guess that's true. Yeah. But I still like, I feel like all these commanders are such assholes that when I hear they've been like human for a moment, it really throws me. I feel like we're also not used to commanders like having their own kid because it feels like there's a lot of sterile ones too, you know? Right. Yeah. I think Alum is more, I don't know, more similar to Price. Than, than Warren, I think. You mean more faithful? He, yes, and, and, and he, I think he's more believer than the others. Like, he genuinely believes in Gilead, and the others wants power, but Kalum, maybe, I, I think he wants a family and power and everything, and, you know, like, he's different. I don't know, I, I just feel like he's different from the others and he also hates handmaids he wants to have it proper and everything like it's supposed to be not, yes not going and off and... not going to jezebel exactly and i think that's why he's more like disgusted by handmaids and maybe that's why he he's like concerned about his son too i mean it's a boy too right yeah. It's a boy. boy. Yeah. It's, a boy. it's the future of Gilead, right? So <laughs> exactly. But like it was interesting what Melissa just said because Calhoun is like the one who easily wants to just bomb everything. Yeah. 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 
I mean, I don't know how Christian that is to just want to go start a war. Yeah, but it's not like Gilead follows by the Bible anyway. I mean, none of this is Christian. Really. I know, but, you but know. like, you know, when you say that he's faithful and believes in, in all of this, hey, again, he it doesn't believes make sense. In Gilead. He does. He wants to protect Gilead. So as soon as Gilead is threatened by Canada for, uh, for now, He's like, uh, we want to shut the shit down and immediately, and they know they have the, the weapon power to do it. It's really interesting how different all those three commanders are in the situation yeah. here. As a, like as we just said, yeah, Kaloon just kind of wants to declare war. <laughs> yeah. Let up war. Warren Warren is more like, okay, let's wait and see what happens. And yeah. Joseph just wants to, well, I mean, he couldn't care less about Red, I think. Yeah. And Lawrence kicks them out, and on his way out, Putnam tells June, you, may, you might be the only one happy about this. No, that's not true. That was amazing. <laughs> but I was, I was surprised like, that he would interact yeah. with her at all. Yeah, really, because she, he's like, um, he's saying it so openly. So, I mean, of course, he knew most about the, the difficulties between Fred and June, I guess, because he was like Fred's bestie or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, but it's like, it was so forward, directly in front of the other commanders. Yeah. Yeah, surprised me a lot. And Putnam's not often funny, so. No. <laughs> Though Big Skunks is not in this show. <laughs> and Lawrence waits till he's sure they're out of there and tells June that she's off the hook. Well, off the wall as it happens. Uh, they think that Winslow was also taken in a plot at the same time as the Waterfords. The tricky Americans. Tricky Americans. Uh, <laughs> not tricky enough to keep America, but... <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. The Waterfords are now in custody in Toronto, and he says they went rogue, expecting to get your baby back, but they were ambushed. Facing trial as war, war criminals. I guess they didn't bring 52 kids with them. So very exciting news for Jaren, but she's got a lot on her brain. And he asks about the deal with the plane, so he's on board. On his way out, he sees Jaren still not, like, fully rejoicing and he says cheer up friends are in our toast and you just got away with murder all in all not a bad morning i like that one sure. of the best yes. <laughs> amazing did you notice that he's finally saying your baby he mm -hmm. listened the one time that she said please don't say that's their baby it's my baby yeah i just found it sweet that he was actually focusing on that yeah Word. listening like some people do changing their yeah. ways of speaking you know what i wish we'd seen though the conversation in the car on the way back from jezebel's when he was probably like well which one did you get tell me tell me that much at least if i'm gonna die for it i hope he was worth it yeah her saying winslow and he'd be like yeah it was worth it because <laughs> winslow had just broken his wife i think that would be an enjoyable revelation to see yeah mm -hmm. again like i think she's overwhelmed because the people who've been abusing her for years and stole her baby and have done everything to her, raping her, they're actually like in jail, which seems just impossible, you know? And then she finds out that her daughter is safe. So that means Fred can't keep going after her. And June won't be put on the wall for murdering the Win Winslow. So like, it's been a very overwhelming morning for her. Like oh. a lot happened in a span of what, like 30 minutes. I feel like you left the plane part out even, but yes. Yes, <laughs> the plane. So yeah, these are like, oh, these are big things to process. And you're not going to get killed. Yeah, no, so much good stuff. Um, yeah. No, I think she she had the whole night even to think about all of that, right? Because they went to Jezebel's at night and they come for, um, for the talk in the morning. So she basically was waiting for them to come and get her the whole night. 
So that must have been terrifying. So does that mean she had two consecutive completely sleepless nights? Because I believe she does not sleep through Eleanor's death. Either. I mean, we don't technically know if she slept after she got back, but from but I'm assuming she did not. From Jezebel. Yeah, although she might have, I mean, she had to have had a concussion, so maybe she did sleep. <laughs> the night after is Eleanor dying and she lays in her bed and you see the nighttime pass and then day come up. No, but really, you never you never get good news in Gilead. Or I should say you very rarely get good news in Gilead and she just got a lot of good news, so... Yeah. And it's amazing. I, I totally forgot. I mean, I didn't forget, but um, it was just before that, that Winslow actually was the person that forced them to sleep with each other and hurt right. Eleanor, as you said. And of course, that would be so good for him. And I never even clocked that, that Lawrence basically got his revenge through June. So... Wow. And both, right? Like Fred is in jail. Fred and yeah. Winslow, right? Yes. And, and Winslow both. is dead. Oh <laughs> and yeah. technically Serena too, because Serena came to the house that night. Yeah. So like, yes. three instant karma. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Maybe uh, I hope Eleanor knew before she died too. Uh, then she's walking to the market with her pretty red umbrella, and June gets in line at the butcher behind Alma. Tells her it's happening in a week from today. Bring kids to the Lawrence's house and then to the plane. And Alma says Amherst is too far. Um, talking about her son and June asks she's like can get your Martha to give them a message you have to try you do have to try Alma and then June sees Rita and they talk over an entire case of carrots I've never seen carrots displayed quite like this that was a lot <laughs> of carrots like they must have good eyesight in Gillian yes <laughs> why is Rita in the market if the waterfalls are in prison I had the same question <laughs> I think that Serena and Fred doesn't don't have a real household anymore because they still live somewhere in a limbo. I don't know what they're living in right now. If this is theirs or but they're already in Canada, arrested. No, they are, yeah, but before before that, it's a place called Between Heaven and Hell. Why can't I think of the word? The keyword purgatory. Purgatory. They live in purgatory. <laughs> she was she was with them at the house of the mom of Serena's mom with Serena. Yeah. But maybe she got reassigned after that because we don't see her anymore. And then she's just at the market. So and then she says, like, I want to get out anyway. Please let me in on the plan. <laughs> I think she wants to help, which. Yeah, sure, sure. But yeah, um, she's, she's a confusing character for me. I love her. But but I think she never did take any any real risks before mm -hmm. other than getting tuned out uh, and uh, not tuned the baby basically because or she wanted to get you out yeah yeah but i think that was the first time she actually really rebel uh get against gillian mm -hmm. and now that's june's just, influence again that's what she does yes fires she, changed you. she changed me mm -hmm. yeah so rita's there though and she's really excited to tell june that the waterfords were arrested but sadly june already knew and then rita's like can you believe it uh, she tells her that the eyes came to talk to her and she told them that Serena was nice to her when she left, which is notable, of course. And <laughs> June, June also, she's like, yeah, she's only nice when she's up to something. And then they go to the potatoes in an equally interesting display. And Rita tells her that she knows about the plane plan. She wants to help, asks if it was June's idea. And she says, you're such a boss now. And June rolls her eyes and she looks so vulnerable and sweet and a little scared. And I don't know how she does it. I don't know how Lizzie does it. It's like unbelievable to me how many emotions she expresses. She's so amazing. And I love that Rita called her a boss because immediately I 
I thought of her telling Nick, like, your badass girlfriend. So I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. I love that. And then, but Rita also, like, I don't know. I feel like she recognized all those feelings on June's face and that she's not, you know, she's not only a boss. She's a human and she holds her hand and says, I'm proud of you. And June's look after that is so sweet and proud. And like, I don't know. I can't explain it. Only Lizzie can make this happen with her face. And she's proud that I said that to her. I love this scene. And I I feel like Rita's kind of like a surrogate, like, I don't know. I guess I always feel like she's a surrogate mom to her. Yeah. Yeah. Like a mother figure. So like, I just love that she's saying she's proud of her because especially because June doesn't, she doesn't really have anybody like that knows her really well. Like, doesn't have Nick. She knew Rita pretty well. Like, you know, I mean, Beth and Lawrence and all of them don't. Right. And she can't be. They're not like super close, you know? So I think to have somebody that you respect and who knows what you've been through for how many years and she's been through with her, like to say, I'm proud of you. Right. That's, that's huge. And she's the only one that now in June's vicinity would understand the enormity of the Waterfords being captured too. Like all of it. Like Rita had to be in that market. That's why she was in that market because <laughs> you need to see her <laughs> yes yeah probably but yeah i think it's really sweet that she has her i feel like her and nick i don't know maybe because they saw her like before she became a boss but she's i mean they did though they saw her whole journey basically so i think yeah, yeah she's really the only oh. I guess, connection that june has to her older self you know then we see Fred's horrible jail cell. How can they keep him in such filth? This drives me insane. <laughs> like, I would actually not mind going to that jail as a vacation. A night, right? I would right. love to have a night at that jail. Like, why? Why Why is this jail so fancy? I don't like it. They have bourbon and everything. He's a VIP. Unfortunately, no no orange jumpsuits. Yeah. No. It's so annoying. It's so big. Like, I don't know why, but I would. Thinking, I was comparing it to like a new, uh, an expensive New York hotel room in my brain. I've stayed in expensive New York hotel rooms. They are not anywhere near that. Exactly, <laughs> they're like twelve feet wide. And this has got alcohol. It's got snacks. It's got a window. They can have visitors. They can see babies. Like it's come on. But it makes a bit of sense, right? They want something from him, and if they treat him like a real bad prisoner. They won't get anything out of him and they want to get it all. I don't know. How long do you think Fred would survive in a like isolation or No, he would he would not. I don't think that he would be like really cooperative, right? I mean maybe he would be I would cooperate more in this scenario where I want it out. I think if you if you give um the stuff willingly, you give out more and more sincere stuff than just scream something out just to get out of somewhere i don't know i don't know but does he need like a whole selection of alcohol and like, no definitely not does he need a does he need a room that's that big you know what i mean yeah, I like know, i know it yeah. to be this fancy the alcohol is insane like giving him bourbon yes. like please i love though that they um they have both a window but they only see inside uh on this one tree both uh, both have one tree right and then there's a wall. They don't see really sky or some landscape or anything. They just see a wall. I mean, they have a window at least, but yeah. But I mean, I used to work at a job where I had to go to different client sites and then put us in conference rooms. And like, I never worked. I mean, I didn't have windows for years. Mm-hmm. So like already his jail yeah, has like nicer. I more uh, amenities than like <laughs> my jobs used to have, you know? It's just crazy. And it drives me nuts. Yeah. yeah, I was wondering if they based it, like, did they do research? Is this something that exists 
for questionable international criminals or but he's being very unfred when Serena comes in he's like so he's all over her he's so worried about her he's super affectionate missing her (laughs) (laughs) promising her she's gonna be fine he won't let anything happen to her and then when she tells him you have to stop worrying about me now you have to save yourself i'll be fine and then he gets it when he says that line like uh, i won't let anything happen to you it gave me the creeps because that's the same that that nick told june in season two Mm -hmm. and it's a whole different Bye. different situation and, and and they deserve the bad things that came for them like serena and right. yes. deserved everything yeah but when nick says i won't let anything happen to you like he means that and june instantly believes him because she knows it's true whereas when fred says that obviously that's not true he let her get her finger cut off he let all you know yeah yeah. All kinds of things happen to her. He doesn't care, you know. And he has the power to do to protect her, right? And he doesn't use it. And Nick has hardly any, and he uses all of it to protect her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, here we are talking about Nick in season three again. How did that happen? So weird. I know. So yeah, so he gets it. Uh, she's betrayed him, and he moves his hand from her cheek to her throat and starts choking her like lightly, I guess, <laughs> as she says. I want to be with my daughter. Please try to understand me. She needs me. My daughter needs me. And I'm like, ah, what? Like, how do you think that she's your daughter at this point? No, she's delusional. I was thinking um, how transactional their love is, actually. And they seem to love each other until something came up and they have no problems to betray each other to obtain what they want. So that's a very good point because oh, it's Lawrence that calls June's June transactional. Transactional. Also, yes, true, but you're absolutely right, Serena and Fred. And And I think June learned that to be transactional because of of them. Yeah. Oh my gosh, both of them. You're right. They're so. For June, though, being transactional is like life or death. Whereas for Fred and Serena, it's just like a game. It's just the way. It's a power thing, really. It's a power move. It's yeah, it's like jealousy, it's power, it's they're constantly like letting each other down. So then it's like revenge. Cause that's why like when he had said, I won't anything happen to you, I guess kind of compared that whole scene to like June and Nick, because then Serena tells Fred not to worry about her. And I'm like, well, it doesn't seem like he worries about her very often, like legitimately worries, you know, like he's had his little moments. And it's yeah. just like, you know, Fred, like while he's saying all these things to Serena, it just comes across you know, it's not believable because he, the way he loves Serena comes from a place of like selfishness and ownership. Whereas the way Nick loves June, it's just unconditional and selfless. So it's like, there is no comparison, you know? But I think Fred loved Serena in her twisted way, but um, Serena doesn't love Fred. But it's more conditional the way they love each other. Like, I just think it's, I don't know. He seems to like really care for her for the past several episodes. I still think it's transactional, but it's notable. If yeah, it, it feels false to me though. Like it just as soon because as soon as something happens, it's like that care goes away very quickly. Yeah. You know? Like in the last episode though, he told her that he would leave it all for her. And... Yeah, but do we really do we really think he would do that? Because I don't. That's what I'm wondering. I don't know. It's like he seemed genuine. No, I don't think so. But I think he has moments where he's he feels genuine, but then it's it's like with Serena, like she's got moments where she can be nice. Yeah. But then it doesn't. As soon as they don't get their way, it doesn't last. They're both like that. Yeah. Um, what is funny to me is like that he's that affectionate after 
they basically had sex for the first time in like forever right <laughs> it's like that's a good point yeah i mean he was kind of getting softed with her before probably that's why she even let him that close but yeah it's probably easier for him after having a bit more intimate relationship to her again like in the before well that's true because they even had that long drive where they were like bonding which we never see them do he brought them close together i still wonder why he uh even said yes to the whole plan though but that's a whole different thing it doesn't make any sense he went from like a to z with no explanation yeah because he wants he wants power and uh, he was on the way to get that with just doing what Winslow wanted and right. then he drives off with Serena it's just like a total mindfuck for me why he would do that mm. but maybe he, he thought that if they get the baby back they would get power as well and he tried to get that because if he gets the baby back he gets power and Serena back if he doesn't get the baby back he gets the power and Serena would be pissed maybe maybe that's what he was trying to do. well he looks like a hero too if he gets the baby back on yeah, his own. Totally. it's so wild to me how much she fully internally believes nicole is her daughter when she's not yeah. her daughter at all though like i mean she fully believes it like as if she's more her daughter than june's it's crazy to me yeah um back at the lawrence's june sees mrs lawrence freaking out against the wall and june offers to go back with her and she sees mrs putnam and winslow just in time to pray for winslow and joseph asks her to join in and pretend she hasn't stabbed him in the last 24 hours and <laughs> mrs winslow says she's worried about her children eleanor mocks her and says your children and lauren squeezes her shoulder to stop her and june offers her prayer that god watch over commander winslow wherever he is and mrs winslow like seems to know what she's doing there and orders June to pray for Winslow's safe return. Then Mrs. Winslow turns to Lawrence and she begs him to help her get George back. She can't be a widow with six children. And Eleanor starts talking dangerously and stupidly. She says they can take them with them. And Lawrence tries to cover her neck that she's talking about their home and not the cargo plane they're about to fly out of there. And she's just barely holding it together. Actually, I guess she's not holding it together at all. I do still enjoy the Lawrence's jokes. Mi casa es su casa. Yeah. So good. Oh my god. When in doubt, you <laughs> Well, I was just like, she's like, I'm so worried about my children. And I'm like, well, maybe your husband shouldn't have been at a brothel. Like, I don't know. Oh yeah. Oh my god. It's, it's just and it, you know, they're just dry. It's again, it's like they're all so family oriented, but they're really not, you know, like they're spending their nights yeah, sleeping around and they are not even her kids anyway. Not even the baby. The baby's his. But not hers. So, but the others definitely are not hers in any sense. So it's like totally fucked up. I love that Eleanor called her out on that. I mean, it was dangerous. But yeah. No, I enjoyed that too. Yeah, she plays this part unbelievably. Like Julie Dredson. I, I don't. She's so good. She's like my favorite character this season. Yeah. They have just only uh, gotten no medicine for her anymore, right? It was mm-hmm. just recently that right, they made. So um, seeing her decline was really hard, I guess. She has um, the medicine. That part's confusing. She has it. Oh, she right. She has it. Wait. But no, wait. Maybe she... Uh, maybe it's some different. Other pills. Yeah. yeah, maybe it's not the Maybe it's for sleeping or something. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. So you can actually see the decline of her mental state mm-hmm. each episode. And 
I should have felt that something like this was going to happen, but it really still was a surprise. Um, Lawrence said in the last episode that the commanders failed to take mental health into the equation when they mm -hmm. uh, designed Gilead. And I think it's portrayed how little people were taken into account. Uh, they were thinking about power and, and how to fix things, but they weren't taking into account how these people are going to live, you know, like simple things like this medication, healthcare, or whatever, you know. It's such a huge mess, though. Like, it's totally. I wonder if they, um, the severe cases, I mean, she was pretty severe, I guess, but she had Joseph to cover for her and get her the medicine. But I, um, I wonder now if the more severe cases that were not um, living with a commander or something like that, uh, that they were killed as well. No, I think they were probably killed, sadly. Yeah, that's gross. It is very gross. Good word. It is. It's awful. It's awful to think about. Luke and Moira and Holly are then going through a metal detector and we learn from their anger at being considered the dangerous ones with these people. Uh, it seems like they're visiting the Waterbirds in their fancy jail cells. Moira makes a joke about baby assassin, <laughs> about Holly being a baby assassin. I love that joke. I enjoy it. So good. But Luke is excited to see Friday in jail. I wouldn't. I wouldn't get that excited. By, by the way, that baby is so cute. Like, I, oh my god, I love that baby. She's so adorable. I just, I especially in the room with three. Okay, we're gonna get there. But like calling that cute little cherub a baby assassin just makes me laugh. And just knowing that June is her mother, like, oh yeah. <laughs> Actually, Nick too. Now that there I you go. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> then Tuella walks into Serena's room and she looks beautiful, not in teal. And he tells her that and he flirts with her. She looks nice for her boyfriend. Exactly. It's so creepy clearly... this time around. I can't take it. He says, Oh, I thought I had the wrong room at first. And she complains about being de detained. And he asks how Fred took the news of her betrayal. And, and he says, Well, he's not your concern anymore. And she says, He's still my husband. And he's like clearly disappointed. Clearly, definitely has feelings for her. And it's it makes me very uncomfortable and angry with him. Like, watching how he interacts with everybody. Oh, oh God, especially this next scene. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's just get there. Then Moira comes in with Nicole and Serena says, it's nice to meet you. She's trying to be nice, but Moira's not feeling it. She simply says, I'm June's friend, implying don't try and befriend me, rapist bitch. And Holly slash Nicole is being adorable, babbling and chewing on Moira's shoulder. I love this baby. She's so cute. Yeah. So cute. I love her so much. And Moira's like so good at like being like awesome with the baby and then alternating her speech with Serena. And she reminds Serena that Holly is June's daughter. And Tuella tells Serena, Moira will be wait waiting in the waiting room in response to that. He's such a fucking asshole. And then he gets mad as, so as Moira gets a little more real with Serena. And he tries to cut her off when she is speaking to Serena unkindly. Moira says, you are still the same woman that held my friend down so your husband could rape her. And then Tuella says, that's uncalled for. Like, what the fuck? Oh my I get so irate because it's like, do you not understand what handmaids have gone? Like, do you not understand the difference between wives and handmaids? You raped her. And you just told me, who also got raped by her husband, that that's uncalled for, for me to, like, acknowledge the truth. 
Oh my God. Like, why does, I don't understand why he protects Serena so much. Like, even if you have a crush on her, you don't know her. She's from Gilead. She is evil. I love that Moira said the line, you are the gender traitor, because it's like, that's the fucking truth. Yeah. Oh, it makes me so angry that Serena basically betrayed all the women. Yeah. No, it's like, and I, I hope that Serena internalized that. As much as she internalizes Nicole being her daughter, because yeah, it's actually true. She actually like betrayed her her gender to the point of their own like sexual slavery. Like, come on, please snap out of it. Oh yeah, and so when he tells her that it's uncalled for, Moira tells him, "Fuck you." Oh, she screams at him, "Fuck you," and continues, "If Fred raped me, her too at the whorehouse." And then while she's like continuing, Tuello is forcibly removing her. He's literally like pulling her yeah. out. As if she's the one in the wrong here. And she's a woman too. Like it's not like because later on when you know Luke and Fred, like I feel like Luke got more leeway than Moira did. It's like Moira can't say a word to Serena. Again, her friend's rapist. Like she's literally holding the baby of the woman who her and her husband raped June. I mean, I know Twello doesn't know that yet, but how did she even agree to give her the baby? Now that you're saying it like this, I'm like, wait, this is insane. You would never ever agree to let her hold this goddamn baby. It it was part of the deal, I guess, that Luke and Moira agreed to. So were happy with the fact that Fred would get uh, in jail, and they don't really have to get the baby, uh, give the baby away, because as soon as Fred and Serena are in Canada, they don't have to fear that they take the baby back to Gilead. Okay. All right. Fine. But I don't like it. Neither yeah. Does she. Same. But she mic drops at the end. You're the gender traitor. One billion percent true. And Serena's shaken, but she gets back to her visit with Nicole, who isn't comfortable with her, which I enjoy. And then when Serena says it's your mama, the court ordered chaperone tells her she can't use terms like that. It will confuse her. I love that yeah. chaperone, yeah. by the way. I know. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. She's more reasonable than Tuella. Also, like the look at yeah. Nicole's look was so sad when Moira left and she was put oh. into Serena's yeah. arms and she instantly <laughs> had a sad look on her face. Yeah. She's like, don't leave me with this lady. She's scary. Yeah. I, I love that Serena got the, um, like, a throw back to real life and to earth from her high uh, horse uh, mm-hmm. at that moment because I mean she she gets repeatedly being edged on with first the Moira stuff and then the clock starts to run and she's like noticing that she really has just one hour there's nothing else she doesn't get to have the baby she has it for one hour and then she will be gone again and then the baby doesn't want her there and fusses the whole time and everything. And it's like, it's so nice to see her get kicked around like that. It's like, she deserved that. It's a beautiful moment. Like that too, especially because after Moira left, she thought it's, it's going to be all good. And no, nope. yeah. we're still in reality here. Yeah. Can't Gilead, your fantasy. Then, Lawrence, then we're at the Lawrence's and he's yelling at some commander on the phone trying to avoid war telling him he cannot close the border the effect on trade will strangle us i didn't realize the border was all that open to begin with but this is going to be bad for june who's watching the call which lawrence only discovers after his call ends and he says he should put a bell around her neck i love really enjoy all of his lines i know but we say that every time he speaks and i'm like <laughs> he's got the best one-liners and they just don't he's stop got the best delivery yeah and then i'm envisioning june like with the little cat bell like around her neck me too i couldn't help it because i have a love cat it. But yeah exactly <laughs> and he tells her to move up the departure day because of the border closure 
and she's like, doesn't work like that. And then Eleanor is having, well, she's trying to leave the house looking like as frazzled as ever. She's going to the Salinger's house. There's that sweet little boy, David, we can get them out. And the blonde girl down the street and Hannah, it's so sweet. I thought that she was thinking of June's daughter too, even though yeah, obviously what she's doing here is not okay. Um, and then she says they should go to that school and get all those kids. So she's like, you know, not firmly based in reality any longer. She has such a good heart though. Like she means well, obviously yeah. she doesn't I love her. know or she's, right. you know, but it's just, it's sad because she means well, but mm. it's dangerous. Yeah. I mean, and it can, yeah. It will ruin everything. But I was still a little shocked when June started slamming her against the wall and Joseph kind of let her. Yeah, but I think I I don't like that, but I understand why she did it. Like, she's scared. Like, this is this is very dangerous. There's a lot riding on this. Like, things are starting to really fall apart now. Like, the border is closing, moving it up. And mm -hmm. I mean, you now you have all these people who know you want to get all these kids out. So, like, what are you going to go back and tell them? No, it's not going to happen. Like, this is a big deal. So, like, it's terrifying to think because this woman doesn't have all of her mental facilities. Like she might, because she wants to help, she might end up destroying the whole thing. Right. Yeah. And she, she's yelling, do you understand? Which is a common phrase in this show I've learned in the rewatch. And Joseph yells enough. And then Eleanor finally snaps out of it and says, no, June's right. I, I wasn't thinking. And Joseph tells her that all she needs to do is think, is think about our life when we're out of this place. And she questions the hour of it. Can we really do that? And then she walks off. And the question that always remains is, can anyone really leave Gilead after they've been so fucked up by it? But I like how she doesn't get mad. Like, she could get yeah. really upset or scared or angry with June for doing that. And I just love that about her character. Like, even even though she's her mind is not all there, like, she understands that, oh, like, June's right, you know? And she just, free, she just openly admits that. And I just, I love that. Yeah. It was sad, though, when I realized... As he was saying it, that this is probably the last time that we're going to ever hear Lawrence say, get some rest, my love. The way he, like, yeah. lovingly says my love to her, you know? It really gets He's just so sweet with her. Mm -hmm. And I would love to watch what uh, a flashback of them in the yeah. old, good old days. Making mixtapes. Because she really seems to have been his one true love. And I, yeah. like, uh, that kills me. And it's crazy... Like for me, I like to think about like, you know, I think about what June's experience has been in Gilead living with the Waterfords. And like, you know, I remember Lily saying back in what was it, season one, like that she had it good with her commander and wife. And it's just thinking like, what would it be like? I mean, obviously Gilead is an awful place, but like if if June's experience was with Eleanor and Lawrence, like it would have been a million times different than it ended up for her, you know? And you just never, it's just like, that's the crazy thing. Like Emily had that one wife that was like really understanding and didn't make her do the ceremony. So it's just, it's crazy too, how even as a handmaid, your experience can just be vastly different from the handmaid standing next to you. Yeah. Like, I think what I like so much about it too, is it's such a contrast from his normal self, his Gilead self, you know, like. Well, he was very intense with June back in like episode two and three. And mm -hmm. now like, yeah, it's like seeing him be that sweet with his wife is just. Right. I just noticed that, I mean, you're right. If, if June would have been with them instead of the Waterfords, she would have stayed all the meek and held back June. And the, the thing is, would she have started to get into the rebellion if she was treated nicer before? Because we know that uh, Lawrence's household is used for uh, Mayday stuff 
and things like that, and at least for the master stuff. And yeah. the thing is, would she have found out about that and helped there, or would she have stayed like the old tomb, trying to stay out of trouble and not go? And I'm not that kind of person, right? Doesn't she say that? Yeah. And, 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 she, and she's been there for years. I mean, the mysterious yeah. first household where she was for two years did not yeah. be a rebel in her. Exactly. So, I don't know. But even, so. I mean, I think she, it's possible she would have probably joined in the rebellion a little bit and nowhere near like how she is now. She wouldn't be no. this badass rebel handmade commander, you know? So Fred's right when he says I changed. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think June changed because of about with Emily. You know, like yeah. Yeah. Emily wake up that part of June. Mm -hmm. um, not not only the waterfall. I think Emily was big, a big part of it, pushing it. Yes. Yeah. Then Tuella and Fred are meeting, and Fred blames Tuella for poisoning her. And Tuella is defending Fred's wife, telling him that she's too smart to be manipulated, and it's like just more of the same. His obsession with her sucks. I don't like it one bit. He tries to flatter Fred into cooperating, but Fred says, I'm too smart to be manipulated too. And then Tuella reveals that Luke wants to meet with him. I think Fred's bored. And so he's intrigued and says, bring him in. That makes me laugh so hard though. When he said yeah. manipulation won't work on him. Come on, dude. Like June manipulated <laughs> you for like years. It won't work because he's a man. If you're a woman, uh, yeah, easy. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Easy exes. <laughs> And also, it really annoyed me when Fred had said um, to Tuello, you exploited her obsession with that baby. Like, again, right there, he's showing that the baby means nothing to him. Yeah. She's a power. Yeah. Well, he's he's making all these videos and working with Canada yeah. and like propaganda and all that garbage. But he doesn't give one single shit about this baby at all. Right. And then yeah. the last episode, he says, like, I, I want to see my baby. I want to see my daughter grow up. I want to see her, like, first steps, whatever. Anyway, it's clearly bullshit. Since right. And then he turns around baby. and he's like, that baby. Like, not even my baby, our baby. Like, that baby. Yeah. But maybe it's because Nicole isn't Fred's baby. No, she's not. No, I definitely think that's part of it. He's bitter. Yeah. Yeah. So Luke comes in and he's unhappy with the luxuriousness of Fred's digs. And yeah, this is where I wrote. He even has bourbon. What the fuck? I like this scene, by the way. I like this anger. Very genuinely. Mm -hmm. he, he points out that they grew up in the same good family, first class education, a man of faith, and yet you destroy lives. And Fred argues that he saved lives and asks what Luke did when the birth rate was plummeting. Uh, he just stood by and let it happen. And Luke doesn't argue. He just says, well, you're going to rot in this jail knowing your wife betrayed you. And that gives Fred a new talking point. Let's talk about Luke's wife. He says, all those years wasted, you've just been praying for her to come back to you. And Luke said, like, Luke very confidently says, she'll come back. She'll come back to me. I, and he, like, tries to seem confident. Clearly, he's not. Yeah. And Fred says, maybe, but the June Osborne you knew doesn't exist anymore. Gilead changed her. I've changed her. And Luke punches him. And I like that. I miss that anger. It was a good punch. I loved it too. It, it was. was a good punch, Luke, Sasha, OT. Great acting. Too. Yeah. And Fred looks really funny after where he like left his head there on the couch for an extended period of time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I appreciate the Luke anger. I'd be down yeah. for more of that. Because I think it makes sense when your wife's been raped by someone and abused by people to carry yeah. more anger with you. This is what we've been wanting to see from him. Like this yeah. kind of yeah. 
yeah. anger and passion. Imagine and passion. like, oh, I just anybody. I can't imagine anybody whose wife was like raped for seven years and couldn't really do anything. But just, I mean, he he was angry with Fred in season two as well when they visited Canada. Oh, right. Yeah, and he he finally got that outlet. <laughs> I think I, I did think it was interesting that Luke pointed out that they grew up the same, like similar. Because, I, I mean, obviously he's been thinking about this, you know, but then it's just funny that Fred turns the tables and like calls him out for not doing anything. Like I give Luke credit because he, I mean, he admitted like, yeah, he didn't do anything, you know, and that. Yeah. It's interesting too, though, that even Fred knows that the old June doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he probably doesn't realize it in the accurate way. He probably thinks he changed her in some. But he also, I don't know. I, I think he kind of saw how she changed during her stay I mean she was really even though it was some sometimes it was just a little pretending but in the beginning she was meek like and submissive yeah. in a way and over time she like yeah grew a lot she punched she punched Fred she got her kids yeah especially out. during her pregnancy like she really yeah. she had that like get out of jail free card like she can Mm-hmm. not have to pretend as much when she was pregnant so yeah he definitely did see her change but he was still delusional for their very last encounter when he made joseph uh rape her yeah. i think the last sentence that they've spoken to each other was her saying at least it wasn't you to him <laughs> yeah i love that yeah that was great so then june's coming into eleanor's room and her breathing sounds not ideal and she rushes around the bed and sees her pill bottle turned over on the table and she's slapping her. She's trying to get her to wake up. It's not working. So she starts to run out of the room for help. And then she freezes and realizes it's better for her plan and for the 52 children and possibly for Eleanor too, to let Eleanor die. Uh, and she closes the door and she goes to Eleanor and she kisses her. And then she makes that decision and she leaves. And only letting Eleanor, the love of Joseph's life, die. And it's very, very sad to watch. It feels like an assisted suicide, almost, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. but she's about to be able to get medicine. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I thought about the fact that what would happen if June called out for help and they would get her in an ambulance and help her in the hospital. Because, I mean, suicide is a sin, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if Gilead would be really shitty, they would basically shut the household down, right? I mean, well, they, at they, least... Janine. they saved Janine in order to kill her, right? Yes. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know if she, they would have killed her or anything, but they would have lost a lot of power, I guess, because of that. And then they wouldn't have gotten any medicine and wouldn't have gotten out. And so basically, Getting help for Eleanor would not have helped her at all because it would have made it even shittier, yeah. I guess. Yeah, and I just feel like she's going to suffer no matter what because realistically, even if she yeah. got, oh, it's not like life in Canada would have been a picnic. Party. I mean, she would have gotten the medicine and the psychological help she would need, but still, yeah, it would be a, a big struggle. I mean, maybe she would have made it at some point, but I know someone really dear, um, to me that really struggles with things like that with anxiety and everything and even if you have the medicine and have the treatment it's like it's hell you can't just get out so yeah I get it so for me it was like I got that June was helping her too with it and that she realized that 
as well, not just the plan, but for Eleanor as well. I feel like I feel like selfishly, but I I mean you can I believe she'll rationalize rationalize it that way, but I I don't know. I think it's a combination of things though, because yeah. even if yeah, you think about exactly. it. Like, you could say it's selfish because she wants this plan to follow through. But then if you think about, well, what is the plan? It's rescuing yeah. lots and lots of children. So it's like, it's that's, true. so that's a really good thing too. You know what I mean? Like, and if you don't do that, you're going to have children who grow up, especially girls in this place to be raped and abused and all that. So yeah. it's, it's a very gray area, you know? And I think, I think it's, I think it's really everything. I think there is selfishness, but then it's also compassion for Eleanor yeah. and just knowing that and if, if Eleanor does end up spilling the beans, like everybody loses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was a big struggle for June afterwards. She didn't do that lightheartedly. You can see her um, after that struggling with that decision the whole time. So I don't think she just was like, okay, well, that helps the plan maybe or something like that. She was really taking a hard time on that. Yeah. And I just thought about it because now I'm thinking back to the earlier episode where Lawrence and June, you know, where he made her pick the five Marthas to save. And she oh, was yeah. like, you know, yeah. she had to make a decision. Why don't you say, I want you to save them all. And he's yeah. like, five is better than none. So like in this case, letting Eleanor yeah. go means you save all these yeah. children. So mm-hmm. she's kind of also learning the lesson that Lawrence wanted to teach her. Yeah. There was a scene like this in Breaking Bad, which was not so Walter didn't have a good reason for letting Jesse's girlfriend die. But anyway, I just equate the two and it's very sad. Letting someone die would be hard to live with. Yeah. What, why do you think um, Eleanor killed herself? What was her last Well, the last thing she said was, like, he said, our lives together. And what did she say? Can we do that? Uh, She didn't believe that they could, like, be happy. They can't leave the place they created and then go live happily in Canada, is my opinion. She realized that. Yeah. Well, she's also alluded to the fact that, like, she's had mental health issues for a very long time. Like, that's why they didn't have kids. So struggling with mental health, I mean, that even if you do have medication, like, it's a lifelong thing and it's just, it's awful, you know? So knowing that you already have this struggle and like every day is hard and you know that you don't have medication now that you could even take to help. And then knowing like, yeah, if we go to Canada, I mean, realistically, I don't know if he would end up in prison forever, but he might. And even he, it wouldn't be like, we're just escaping and now we get to go live free. Like that's still going to be incredibly yeah. difficult and probably not work out that way. And he might be taken from her anyway, and then she's going to be alone. So. I was wondering if if it's also because she realized that she was nearly spilling the beans about the plan yes. and sh- that she was afraid that if like that she has not self-control anymore that they will ruin everything. Yeah. She wanted the kids to get out so badly too. She was full in on the plan so I get I guess that too, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's tragic. Yeah, it's very tragic. It's very it's yeah, it's combination of selflessness and yeah, the tragedy of the situation. Yeah. Like it sucks to be a good person indeed. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about the name of the episode. It's called Sacrifice. And I think that June make this sacrifice, you know, uh, but also Serena mm-hmm. because they believe that is a greater good. So June gave up Eleanor life for 52 kids and Serena exchanged Fred 
freedom for mm -hmm. one kid, you know, uh, for very different reasons, obviously, but... Yeah. I was thinking about the same because some like if you just hear the word sacrifice, you always think about self-sacrificing, I think. But in this episode, exactly. I think it's a very different sacrifice. It's sacrificing someone else for your own benefit. Yeah, that's true. And maybe Eleanor is sacrificing herself also for the 52 kids. I, I think she she did it for that. That's true. And if you think yeah. about it, for June to let her do that, June's also sacrificing like herself. Yeah, like herself, because she's going to have to live with this now. Like she loves Eleanor and she's going to have to yeah. live with the fact that she let a woman die, a good person die in order to help children. So sad. It is. But it's, it's, it's so sad. It's, it's, yeah. She's not the, like, the first one. That's, that's even more sad. I think we have Omar and his family. We have Francis, even though... You said she was mad at Francis that her plan got busted, but after she found out it was basically of Matthew who ratted her out, I think she, she still felt bad for Francis. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's just one um, more life she's got to live with, like blood yeah. on her hands. And so that's sacrificing like a piece of her, you know? I do think it must get easier at one point, though, after you've passed a uh, couple. Each one, maybe it's easier. Maybe. But Eleanor's not easy at all because Eleanor's awesome. And and I actually would like to retract what I said before because Melissa just convinced me it was entirely to save the kids, I think, because she realized that she was like losing her shit and about to endanger the kids. You know, I think that that was I think that was her sacrifice. And that's why the episode is named such. So uh, thank you. It's even sadder now and sweeter and lovelier. And I love her so much, so much. Okay, so June's awake all night in her bed, and you can see, like, probably started at night, turning to day, and she's still just laying there awake, waiting for somebody to find Eleanor, and then we hear Sienna screaming. Oh, Which, by the way, I love these sound effects in this episode. Mm -hmm. Like, in the beginning, when we were, you mentioned when she was describing, like, the eyes coming together, and you hear all the sounds, yeah. and then here, like, you see her laying... Like it's thunderstorming while Eleanor is passing away. And then you hear barking dogs in the background, which we hear barking dogs throughout this whole series or in Gilead. And then like she says, she wished she stayed with her. And then like the sun comes up or no, it's raining when she lays down, like kind of symbolizing sadness. And then like in the morning, the sun comes out and then you hear the chirping birds. So I just, I think it's really cool how they use those sound effects to tell a story. Yeah, I love that too. And I never noticed it in the first, you know, my first watches, although it adds to the, your feelings, obviously. Like, it's interesting once you're cognizant of it, how well they lay them in. And then they move from Sienna screaming to Tuella bringing Serena pizza, always flirting. And she says, isn't that contraband? And he says, well, you'll have to eat the evidence. And he brings and her a newspaper so she can exactly. read Exactly. He wants to start a book club with her. Mm -hmm. um, it annoys me beyond that. Yes, yes. He wants to chat about the article later. And she's like so happy he's brought her something to read. It kind of reminded me of uh, season one. What was it? Episode five? Yeah, episode five. Uh, when June is sitting in the kitchen and she read this magazine she got from fred and 10 10 ways to tell that he right. likes you or something oh. and, and he brings you little gifts you yeah. know yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh that's really funny oh my god yes <laughs> that was, that's extremely accurate observation well done oh. trying to find ways no i think yeah. in the scene serena realizes like oh he really likes me like that's the vibes that i got 
and then at the Lawrence house, they're getting ready for the funeral. This is the first time we see Lawrence after her death. And it's really sad. He's really sad. He has a bottle of wine he was saving for their anniversary. I love that he celebrates their anniversary too. Because I'm sure that's like frowned upon in Gilead. Yeah. Yeah. It's an important date in his mind. And he's looking forward to it and saving a thing for it. It's all just very sweet. God damn it. Yeah. No, it made me think back to the first seasons where I was like, do they have any calendars or something like that? Because uh-huh. um, they don't really celebrate anything other than the whole baby stuff. So birthdays and Christmas and everything is just gone. And I wondered um, if they, all the women ever know what date it is really because they aren't allowed to read. I was wondering if numbers were a little different. Though. Well, the ovulation count. Oh, wait, wait. They could That just... would be their calendar, the ovulation. Yeah. I was thinking they would have to read March and April, but they no. could just use the numbers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. They could just show them a picture, like... Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's a tree with 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 a little star on top. It's, it's December. <laughs> Heart means February for Valentine's. Yeah. Oh, I bet, I bet they celebrate that. We never say uh, see any calendars or um, them recognizing that there is any special date. So that was the first time. Yeah. But yeah. isn't there this one scene where Emily um, mentions that it's her oh, son's right. birthday soon? Yeah. Oh my god. Maybe yes. she's just been keeping track. Maybe the commanders have like a calendar in their office. Yeah. There yeah. is a computer. There are computers that people can access. So they probably have some idea. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he was just talking about the bottle of wine he was saving for the anniversary. And June is relating to him saying Luke bought her favorite Pinot Noir for the wedding. But when he left it in the car overnight, the whole case of bottles froze. And Lawrence tells her that he kept the border open super sadly it's also sad and he says it's hard for the council to argue with a man who's in mourning even for them and june like authentically genuinely tearfully tells him how sorry she is and he says she was so fragile i let her i let her go to her room as he's talking to the woman who let her die purposefully he says i could have checked on her and june says i could have checked on her how true and she tells him what a kind woman she was he agrees and walks off just in time for June to, it seems like, let her guilt really sink into her for a minute. Yeah. Well, I think she apologizes to Lawrence and like, you know, like, I'm sorry, because that's what you say to somebody when someone passes away. But I feel like she's also saying that because for her, it's like, I'm sorry, this is my fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. I think she's also trying to make him feel better again, because he can't know that she's the one who let it happen. But she doesn't want him to feel guilt since she wants to feel like she's trying to take on the guilt, I guess, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's such a hard thing to live with. So anytime that she let herself think about it, I like that we get to see a moment where she seems to do that or a couple because are we at the graveside next? Yeah. Cause then we're at Eleanor's funeral and June's the lone handmaid in the back with Sienna and Beth and Lydia. The Putnam's saying the prayer and as he's saying it, I was wondering like, is this specific to her? Because he said, may the Lord forgive her sins. And I was like, ah, it could just be a Gilead thing. But I believe maybe it was suicide specific because Putnam then asks for all of their own forgiveness for not easing her pain. And I was really surprised that he said that. It seemed like very un-Gilead of him. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Like, I was very shocked. Then June asks Lydia to excuse her while she joins Lawrence at Eleanor's graveside. She asks if he'd rather be alone and he doesn't respond. So she joins him. She's crying and, and he's looking at her. 
And I, I wrote like, is he angry? Does he suspect? It kind of looks to me like he's accusing her and she's apologizing without words. Yeah. And I could be totally wrong, but I thought that was really, really incredible acting uh, in their faces in that scene. And then the final shot is the June we're used to plotting and looking up from under her black bonnet. And yeah. my final note was, by the way, the black bonnet really throws me off. I guess it would be like seeing Nick in red. <laughs> <laughs> Or Nick in any other color besides black. <laughs> any color, gray even. Um, yeah, um, so do you guys think that they that he knew or suspected? I or think that he started to get some weird vibes of her in the kitchen. And then when she joined him there and looked at him like that, maybe he clocked it. And I guess he understood it. That's why he wasn't like going full rogue on her or something like that. But... Of course, he's mad, but I think he, I felt that he was realizing that she must have let her go or something like that. And he was mad, but he couldn't change it. And he knew probably that this was the better thing to do. And that, I mean, it's, it's shitty to say that, but it is. I remember when I first watched it, I actually thought that he was kind of suspecting her. And I don't know, I mm-hmm. go back and forth, but I think either way, he just he knew it wasn't going to end well and it was just going to get worse for her and as it was pointed out already he basically taught her how to decide between two things to get the better part that's still shitty but um well she decided to get the kids out which was the better choice i guess yeah no but i guess thinking about that lesson that he taught her then then that makes me think that he does know like, yeah realize it's- that what happened exactly i think he he started to suspect something in the kitchen and then he like he mulled over it and when she came up and looked at him like that yeah and she mirrored the way he was standing too like she crossed her hands in front of her yes she did he also like from early on we learned that he clocks things like immediately he's very observant and i think that the more I think about it, the more I'm pretty sure he knew. I'm not saying he would like let that fully sink in because then he yeah. wouldn't be able to work with her. But I think that he probably knew. They already have that understanding between each other. Like the the moment she came in with the the drinks instead of Sienna when the um, when Partner and Calhoun were there, he immediately knew that he has to make an excuse for why she's being there. Because he, he knew that she needed to hear it and be there. So, yeah, they, they have this understanding without words. Okay, so I think that's a wrap on our spoiler-free analysis of this episode. If you are a new watcher, you probably want to leave now before we talk about the episode in the context of the show to date, which is through season four. So come back on Monday for our analysis of the season three finale. Thank you. Curtsy. Okay, who has deep dive notes? I have one that I didn't, I could have included in the non-deep dive, but I thought it was kind of funny when June had said she can't wait to see the Waterfords in orange jumpsuits. I'm like, oh, she's going to be so pissed if she realizes like their prison is like a vacation and Serena gets to wear like fancy clothes. I mean, she when she visits Serena in jail, I really wondered what she was thinking that they were having this fancy cell and living like kings there. I wondered if uh, Luke and Moira already told her that she was um, being accommodated 
better. I feel like they probably wouldn't have told her that. I don't just know. Just because she was so frat, like anything was going to set her yeah, off. Yeah, I know. But I, she was but. so angry that I bet you as soon as she saw her dig, she probably was like, yeah, it probably just sent her even deeper into her rage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so unfair. Yeah. I have a note about Fred um, and Luke moment. And maybe this is a bold statement. <laughs> But I think that Fred was right when uh, he told Luke that June, that the June Osborne he knew was gone. But uh, we have known for a while that for a while, especially in season four. But I think Luke knows that deep down, maybe uh, that June has changed, even when he knew all the things she had had done in Gilead, but I I think he doesn't understand exactly because he's obviously oblivious and he doesn't understand what is to be like living in Gilead. But also I I remember Sil, uh, Sylvia's face when Emily was given her statement to the Canadian government and she was shocked. But at the same time, you could see that she understood what Emily had to do. Uh, a lot of things. She had to do a lot of things in order to survive. Maybe that's... I, I was thinking that maybe Seal understand Emily because they are both women and gay. Mm -hmm. and, may, and that's the difference uh, why Luke can't comprehend how... These things in Gilead change a person, you know? Yeah. And he even highlighted that in this episode, how he grew up so easily. He's had such an easy life, right? Good family, first class education, no struggle. Exactly. Obviously, he's African-American and that would come with struggles. But it seems really in relation, like you're saying, to June or Moira or Emily. And that's a good point. Well, and as growing up as a man, like in a patriarchal society, it's yeah, it's different. Like, so as a woman, you're already lower, you know what I mean? And yeah, I, I do. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I guess I find it interesting because we always talk about how clueless Fred is and for him to like realize that June, you know, is gone. Yeah. I feel like at this point, like it, it almost felt like when Luke said that she would come back to him, I feel like he was kind of trying to convince himself of that. It's interesting to see Fred though, like um, so effectively punch Luke emotionally with both of his statements that June's not going to be the same. She's not coming back to you that way. And you did nothing, right? I mean, those are probably two of the best ways to hurt Luke. And Fred is not one that typically gets to those so quickly. And he did. And Luke couldn't. I feel like Luke didn't actually make Fred. I mean, it's very hard to make Fred feel emotionally bad. Impossible, maybe. So that's why he punched him instead. But he punched him because Fred effectively hit him where it hurt emotionally, like twice. He knew exactly. Yeah. But then you kind of like segue into um, Fred, you know, like he says, June's never coming back to Luke. And we know that she physically came back to him, but like emotionally, her heart is still with Nick. Yeah. Or at least part of her, you know. And what he said is true. She's so changed that I think if Nick were not in the equation at all, that there, there'd still be no, they, they can't. Oh, no, I, I fully don't think no matter, take Nick out of it completely. There's no way they would last anyway, because mm -hmm. of, she's too different. But, you know, I just thought it was funny that Fred had said Gilead 
Gilead changed her and I've changed her. And then you compare it to Nick in season four saying June changed Gilead. She changed me. She changed Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it just, again, it points out the difference between these two men and the way they love. Like I said earlier, like Fred is selfish. Gilead changed her. I changed her. Like he gives her no credit. He treats her like the child that they always do. Whereas Nick says it, June changed Gilead. She changed you and me, like giving her all the credit, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Exactly. I just realized when you said that, that actually uh, Lawrence said that she will never come back to you. She's never coming back to you, line. And I know uh, we know that she actually did come back to him twice, so, so three times after that. So, um, and here we have Luke saying, she will come back to me. And Nick fully agreed with Lawrence and said, yeah, no, she won't come back to me. And he got the reverse card here. Yeah. Uno. Yeah. But they're polar opposites. You're absolutely right. And how they think about her and how they expectations, everything, everything about them. It's amazing how this is like uh, weaved in, in such a clever way. This is what I love so much about the show, how they do that. Like they really pay attention to all these little tiny details. Yeah. I don't know. I think it makes the story better because these parallel, I mean, all these people, Like it's not even just Nick and Luke, it's Nick and Lawrence or Fred and Serene. Like you can, there's parallels between all of them. Yes. And I can segue from this to one of my points um, when uh, Eleanor said, can we really leave all of this behind when we get out and we see June definitely can't leave it behind. I mean, some can, like Moira, uh, apparently, uh, even though I hope she still has the fire in her, right? And it will come out. But um, people like June have it deeply, deeply set in their souls. And I mean, she has still the kid, uh, Hannah in, inside of Gilead. So she literally can't stop. And it's not even just Hannah. She has to... F- still friends there she has nick there and just knowing what they did to them like even if she had everybody back like they still destroyed her life i don't think that she will ever be truly free in her mind after that even after years even after gilead may have burned down and everybody's out and everybody's happy again but she will always have this part in her yeah so eleanor was right Well, I also was thinking too about the fact that we see Luke punching Fred and we've said like, this is the fire we've been looking for. This is what we want to see from Luke. And that's, that's why I got so frustrated with him in season four, because I was hoping he'd get angry with June, you know, like, yeah, yeah, he got her back and that's great. But like your daughter is still there and knowing what these people have done to her and you could obviously see the damage in her. Yeah. My only deep dive note was that and it's a season five reference. That's why I was just thinking of it was that I like that Christine Coe's new rebellious character is named Lily and the original Offland Red Center bombing was Lily. So yeah. Yes. I know it's a step too. Go back to her. Yeah. My next note was the fact that Fred said to Serena, I pitied the child that has you as their mother, her mother. And she's right now in this moment already pregnant so (laughs) i had that note too all right um i mean i do too kind of i don't know how this is going to turn out uh later on i think it's not gonna turn out well 
if she gets to have the baby really for herself, if, if she really is a mother or is um, like Fred said, needs to be pitied because she's like horrible, a horrible person. Well, then it reminds me too, though, like Serena is like devastated that she's not allowed to call Holly, Holly, her yeah. daughter or like say I'm her mom. And she's like so convinced that she's her mom. Yet she soon as she finds out she's pregnant, she immediately just forgets about her in season four. Like she doesn't yeah. I, don't, I don't think she mentions her once. Right. Like I mean, they're doing they're doing all this, no, like making no, these propaganda no. videos and going to Canada. And then as soon as she gets her own baby, she of moves course. on. So it's like that's also frustrating because it's like you're you spent this whole season being so upset. But now you don't you just give up on her. Yeah. Yeah, because it wasn't about. Nicole specifically, the only reason was that Serena wanted to get her wish fulfilled. Mm -hmm. The one point I already kind of mentioned in um, the spoiler free was, well, Kaloon's agenda kind of, because he was already wanting to go to war. I think it was in episode three of season three, where he, where they have this meeting in Lawrence's room and he's already talking about taking back Chicago and bombing Chicago and whatever. And he here he's talking again about like yeah war with Canada and well then we have episode five of season four Chicago where he actually gets his ways with the bombing yeah so I don't really want to see a full-fledged war in season five of Canada so please don't do this (laughs) well Lawrence also says in this episode boys will be boys when they're talking about blowing things up because then yeah. I was thinking about that too. Because like that, well, then they actually do blow things up next season yeah. or season four. Oh, they do. Exactly. Girls blow shit up too. Oh, yeah, they do. I look forward to that. It's so funny that Calhoun is the one that always immediately jumps to that. And even all the others are hesitating and willing. Yeah, we should yeah. just wait and see. And he's like, is he the youngest out of them? I mean, apart from Nick, but Nick is the lower commander. He seems like it. So he's maybe just easy with the trigger finger. I wonder what what his job was before Gilead. Yeah. I was thinking about this earlier in our conversation, actually. Like, I'd actually like to have Bruce Miller or someone on and and just like, what was Calhoun's background? Like, make them just like create their backgrounds in the head that they like dreamed of, you know, because he's thought about it. Yeah. And it's really interesting also because we were talking about Kaloon um, and we were earlier also talking about Putnam that he's kind of very different, that he's more of the raiding type. And yeah, yeah. (laughs) and that he wanted to wait for the response of Canada. (laughs) And I was thinking like when he gets to visit Fred in season four (laughs) and he says, what do you actually do? get me back yeah well you are in our thoughts and prayers that's so that's like Putnam's way of handling things <laughs> yeah oh. it's unfortunate we hear it so much in our day-to-day here also though yeah it's crazy yeah when I read some of the tweets or whatever those republican politicians sometimes say or yeah like they're like doubling down on the 10 year old like rape victim that should have had the baby like what the fuck it yeah. feels like it has to be fake like it can't like people can't really feel that way i know it's so crazy Ugh. when lawrence was on the phone when he had told june he should put a bell on her he said to her afterwards it's easier to get into a conflict than out of one it reminded me of what nick had said once you get in bed with the government it's not so easy to get out so yeah which i forgot that lawrence had said this because i feel like that's another reinforcement to june like 
Nick mentioned that in episode six. Now Lawrence is mentioning that here. So it's like these two are planting those seeds in her head too. And which I think June kind of realizes in season four with Tuello, which brings me to another point, but Tuello, he's always been like dismissive of, like he was dismissive of Moira telling her it was uncalled for to say that kind of stuff to Serena. He was dismissive of June in season four. And like, I, you know, she was pissed off at him in the finale which I think even then she was realizing again, like what these two guys, men were saying to her that you try to work with the government and it's just. Hmm, they have their own agenda. Yeah. 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 They don't give a shit about us. <laughs> oh yeah. Nick was so right. <laughs> <laughs> Since you mentioned Lawrence and Nick's relationship again, I, uh, when I talked about that earlier, I had the note that I think that Lawrence realized in season four that Nick is, similar to him as well that he notices it and that's why he he's trying to show him the ropes more and everything and I think he really truly felt sorry for him about the fact that he can't move on because he totally understood how that feels yeah because Mm. he's the same in that regards so yeah I have uh, one more note on Lawrence when he says you got away with murder to June and well she clearly did here but it seems that she will not get away with Fred's murder or will she yeah we will have to see well Tuello's the one calling her out I know I know I want to I'm so excited to see if they really if Gilead really knows that it's her doing or also it was not just her alone I mean do they arrest all of the handmaids then (laughs) Uh, yeah, they must not know that, right? I mean, June wouldn't June wouldn't tell, so I don't know if they would know that she had help, like, from Handmaids. I mean, I'm yeah. sure they're going to know she had help from Nick, at least. The funny thing is, she didn't have to send her the finger. Like, she could have just told her anything that didn't have, like, actual evidence of... No, she had to send that to her. As I like, love it. You. Like, <laughs> I absolutely love it, but it's just such a funny decision. Not in, and not an eye for an eye, a finger for a finger, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I wonder how this is all playing out because um, I mean Serena, if she gets the finger, which I don't think because the guard will not show it. To her. Yeah, that's annoying. I wish she got the finger though. Like that would have been. I mean, she probably will get the ring though. And yeah. the thing is, will she notice immediately that it was June or she'll know? She'll know. I think. Yeah. She'll... I mean, twelve knowing is not as dangerous as. Serena going to the Gilead Council and telling that she thinks June has done it. I have it, uh, the thing about Rita, she gets out and she was so emotional with June before. At at the end, it's like uh, the next time they see each other, it's uh, when they get the kids out and she gets out. And then she she feels she owes her so much and she's still so part of her. And I remembered the moment that she spoke on the rally, Luke did. Mm-hmm. And she got so emotional, she couldn't really speak. And th- yeah, that kind of reminded me of that moment because she's like, she's still so proud and so angsty for her because she wants her to get out too, right? Yeah, their reunion is so sweet in season four. The reunion is like, I mean, uh, I rewound that. Oh, yeah. 10 seconds so many times their hug was the most genuine like June was so relieved to see somebody that really like knew yeah that really understood you know like she was excited to see Emily obviously and her baby and Moira and Luke but like 
Frida was a special thing. A treat. Oh, God. I bawled. Because she's yeah. the only person in Canada. Like, Nick is the only person in the world who truly knows everything. what she's been through. But Rita's the only other only person in Canada who knows what she's been through. Yeah. yeah. Like, June's desperation mm-hmm. in that hug was just, oh, it was very moving. It made me cry. Yeah. Damn. And the, the thing that, she, that you said that uh, I think a while ago that Nick and Rita were the only ones to really see her whole journey hmm. I mean they didn't actually see a lot of her like in the season three stuff but mm-hmm. still they were there for some points and they are the only ones that really truly saw everything yeah I mean they were also in in uh, DC with her right I mean exactly yeah they kind of they have seen it all okay so I have one more note okay about Winslow's murder because well I think even in season four it's still not common knowledge that he's dead right I mean he's just vanished again so the only one who actually knows what happened is Aunt Lydia right because that's one of the blackmail points she uses when she talks to Lawrence and wants him to is it yeah oh that's right that he was at Jezebel's when yeah that he he was uh, seen at Jezebel's when uh, Winslow vanished yeah I mean he wasn't exactly there. wait Lawrence was you mean yeah, Lawrence yeah. was at Jezebel's. He was raining right in f- outside. No, I and know that, but how does Lydia know? She said there? because she has contacts with Martha, Martha's and other Jezebel uh-huh. girls. Right. I mean, uh-huh. there are aunts also in, in Jezebel's, right? So yeah, they know. No, Aunt Lydia knows everything. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, um, the what, what I wondered about was the fact that we get to hear in season four that they raided the club afterwards mm-hmm. and killed off a lot of people it seems and i wonder why they did it because they must have realized he's he was killed there right and i always wondered why how nobody knew well <laughs> i mean i don't think they uh, go and reserve a room there under their name they probably just have the rooms and and use them whenever they see fit i mean someone had had seen him clearly being there at least Uh, yeah that's true and so he yeah he vanished in jezebel so there must have been some shady things going on there so more than lydia more people than lydia must have known i mean the mafras who cleaned up the place obviously knew yeah sure and, and, and yeah. I mean, they wouldn't have been as secretive as we probably think. So, so they talked. <laughs> yeah. And Gilead probably didn't wait for any proof of that and just jumped on it and killed everybody. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. I don't think it's really important that he was killed there or not, but just that like something fishy was going on there. And then you also have all those black market trades and stuff like this. I think that's probably reason yeah. enough to close that place down. Oh God, thank God that Beth, I mean, we know what happens to Beth, but um, thank God she wasn't there anymore when that happened because she was at Jezebel's just a few months back, I guess. And now she's at Lawrence's and now they are raided and everybody's killed. I mean, it doesn't take long after that that she's killed too, but... Everybody got killed at Jezebel's? Uh, in season four, no, not everybody, but in season four, the, the one... Um, Jezebel, that is in the, the in episode other, two, she means exactly that talks to June. Oh, the other Jezebels. Yeah, yeah, the oh. the Mayday Mayday Jezebel. Mayday Jezebel. <laughs> right. 
and she said that I, I think she meant that everybody was killed but a few and she was one of the lucky ones that got out. One last point I don't think Dylan Alma's son is taken with because she would have found him in the park of kids and they would have uh, showed their reunion and she would probably yeah. she mm. wouldn't have left his side and uh, she would have gone to the plane with Stay him behind. no she would have gone yeah that's why so, i don't no. think any of the, their handmade friends got their kids i don't think they did no. Yeah. no they didn't and then i realized that oh that's a really sad note to end uh, in but I'm so sad that Alma never got to see him again and Dylan probably will never know what happened to her. I mean, mm. I think he was really young when they split up, so he doesn't really remember her anyway. It seems it, like he was a baby. Yeah, mm. but at one point, if Gilead falls, I think at one point he will want to know about her and there will never be any real trace of her. I think June or I, I think people will seek out their friends' children if they're able to. If Gilead falls. Yeah, okay. That relieves me a bit. I mean, I would seek out all of your children. I wouldn't let, like, I would literally seek out all of your children. So oh, that's sweet. June would seek out Alma's child. Well, you know what? It's important. No, it is. Yeah, I wonder. It is. I keep thinking, like, I wonder if Janine's going to find out about her son. Like, I kind of hope. Oh, God. I think that yeah. is going to be a fun for Bruce, bittersweet part of the, if she is able to escape, I fear that that will be shown. Yeah, I feel like it's something that'll probably happen, but I just, I like the idea of her thinking that he's in California, like, living happy on the beach. Yeah. Okay, I think that's a wrap on our analysis of Season 3, Episode 12 of The Handmaid's Tale. Come back on Monday for our analysis of the Season 3 finale. Thanks for listening. Bye. Nothing changes instantaneously. In a gradually heating bathtub, you'd be boiled to death before you knew it. Our Father, who art in heaven. Seriously? What the actual fuck? Gilead doesn't care about children. Gilead cares about power. Why does healing have to be the only goal? Why can't we be as furious as we feel? For whatever man sows, so shall he reap.